this is my 11th year, my 11th Christmas season to preach about the birth of Christ. I was counting it up. I've preached now over 30 sermons, 30 messages on the birth of Christ. I have preached out of the Gospel of Matthew. I've preached out of the Gospel of Luke. I've preached out of the Old Testament book of Isaiah. I even preached out of the book of Galatians, all about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this year, I'm going to preach on the least preached on verses directly having to do with the birth of Jesus. And I'll just tell you, maybe the least preached on verses in the New Testament. This morning, I'm going to preach on the genealogy of Jesus found at the start of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, think, if you will, this morning, if you were to start a book, say the Gospel of Matthew, if you were to start a book, if you were to write a book, wouldn't you want to start with the most profound, the most exciting, the most gripping introduction that you could put together. That just seems to make sense. Isn't that what you would do? If you're going to write a book, you would want the introduction. You'd want the start of it to, to be the most gripping thing ever. You would want to, to leave your readers on the edge of their seats clamoring for more. That's how you would start a book. So why does Matthew start off with a list of names, a list of 41 generations, basically a who had who comp compilation. Why would he start like that? Well, I want to tell you this morning, God has a plan. God has a purpose for it. He surely does. He has a purpose for it. It is a big purpose, and it's not to just bore you to sleep today. Uh, I pray that today as you leave here, you'll never be able to see this genealogy the same. Maybe on Christmas morning, your kids wake up and say, read us that story again. Our message today is entitled, Behold Your King. Behold Your King. Today we're in Matthew chapter one. If you need help finding that, that's two books back from Luke. Some of you will get that. We've been in Luke a while. Matthew chapter one today, verses one through 17. Matthew chapter one today, verses one through 17. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. God's word says this. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. 
Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconah became the father of Shethiel, and Shethiel the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abinahud, Abinahud of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor. Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliud, Eliud was the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, I come today, and I worship you, I praise you, I exalt you. We come as a people gathered today and we exalt the name of our Savior, Jesus. I pray now that as you've watched our young people, our children, as you've heard their voices lift up your song and your verses, if you've seen our, our choirs that sings, our congregation as it sings, all of our voices lifted up, I pray that you have been honored that you've been glorified. We love you. We praise you. We come now and I pray as we begin to study this, what we might think obscure listing of names of fathers, that you would speak, that you would reveal yourself to us today, that we would see profound truths about Jesus, our Messiah. We come today and I pray for some that do not know Jesus Christ in this hour, that they might put their faith in our Savior. I pray for us here who are believers that we would draw closer to you, that we would have a renewed perspective of the truth of who you are. And I pray that today your word, as it is in its purity, would be nothing less than astounding. We lay this at your feet. We tell you we love you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To look at our genealogy today, I want to divide it into four sections. It is divided up naturally into three sections, but I really want to divide it up into four sections, and really not so much as sections as it is perspectives to observe it from. And so I want to look at it in four different perspectives today. And so we're going to start, and it really is a big, big deal, but we're going to start with, I want us to see the promise of the genealogy. I want us to see the promise of it. We're going to begin by looking in detail at verse 1. Listen to verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now let's look at that verse. It says the record, the record. It literally translates the book, the book. Understand, this is the actual recording of, the book of. And so the record literally translates the book. And so it says the book, the record of the genealogy, the genealogy. Now, that comes from the root word of Genesis. Uh, it means the start of or the origin of. 
uh, what it produces. And so we're looking at the record, the book of the genealogy, and then it says of Jesus, the Messiah, of Jesus, the Messiah. Now be sure it's not the star of Jesus. He is eternal, but it is the star of Jesus as he is revealed as the Messiah. Now, that's a big distinction. Again, it's not the star of Jesus. He is eternal, but is the star of Jesus as he is revealed to us as the Messiah. Now, see this. It says, his name is Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. Now, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Yeshua. It means Jehovah saves. Now, each part of this is, is huge in its understanding. This name is the form of the name that means Jehovah saves. Jesus, we know, was given that name by God. Remember the story? It was delivered by angels. It was transferred by the means of angels, and it was sent down. The Bible says he tells Joseph, and Mary will have a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Understand today, God names him Jesus, telling the world, telling us today what his mission would be, that he came to save his people from their sins. And so his name tells his mission. It says Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. Now the word here is Christos. It is the word we get Christ from. Jesus the Messiah. Messiah means literally anointed one, anointed one or marked one. They were marked by their anointing. If a person was anointed, they were marked for something. And so Jesus the Messiah literally means anointed one, the marked one. Now stay with me. God had pro promised a Messiah and anointed one. He would be marked as the Messiah to come and save his people. Now see this how it develops. His name tells us his mission. God had promised a Messiah. This Messiah was one that was gonna be marked for the salvation of his people. Now the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, these Hebrews, they were trained to look for a Messiah and therefore they were looking for a Messiah, an anointed one, a marked one of God. Now, how are they trained in that? In God's direction, in God's planning, the prophets were anointed. When they identified a prophet, that person was anointed. They would speak for God. In God's directing, in God's plan, the priests were anointed. When, when they were identified as a priest, they came out of that line they were anointed. They could speak to God. The priest was to mediate. The priest was to be a go-between. And so the priests were anointed. Then the kings were also anointed. Remember King David when he is anointed there? Uh, the kings were anointed as the ruling agent, the ruling authority of the kingdom. Well, see this. It is very profound. The Messiah, Christ, the promised one of God will be the Messiah. Listen to this. He would be the anointed one. What that means is this. There's been some anointed prophets. There's been some marked 
priests. There's been some anointed kings, but the Messiah, the anointed one, he is gonna stand as all three, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus, the Messiah, is now the marked one, the anointed one, and he stands now as all three. He trained him to look for it, and in the person of Jesus Christ, it is realized, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus, the Messiah. Then it says, the son of David, the son of Abraham, meaning he was a descendant of David, a son of David, and he was a son of Abraham. He was a descendant of Abraham. Now that is who Matthew says this genealogy pertains to. This genealogy, this listing of names here, this genealogy pertains to Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. Now stay with me. God has promised an anointed one, the Messiah, in Genesis chapter 13, and then and again in Genesis chapter 15, his promise is that he would be a descendant of Abraham. And so I've promised to you, God says, an anointed one, a marked Messiah. His promise is, one of the marks, is that he will be a descendant of Abraham. Then in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, his promise is that he would also be a descendant of David. Well, for 14 generations, from Abraham to David, they are looking for this Messiah. And for 14 generations from David until they're taken off to Babylon, Babylon, they are looking for their Messiah. And for 14 generations from Babylon unto Jesus, they've been looking for their Messiah. Now, I want you to see the picture that is developing here. All of these people are looking for this king. They are looking for this final king. And as they go through the age of the patriarchs, they're wondering, where is our king? And as they go through their earthly kings, and as they watch them rise, and as they watch them fall, they're wondering, where is this king? And then as the temple is torn down, as the city is leveled, and as they're led off into captivity, I believe the pitch becomes even greater, and they're wondering, where now is our king? Where now is our king? And they wonder if the promise still stands. And then as they're away from home in captivity, they're sitting around and they're wondering, does the promise still stand? Where is this king? And as they come back, Zerubbabel leads the first group back. And as they come back and find the desolation there of Jerusalem, they're wondering, where is this king? Does the promise still stand? In fact, when they get back, they have no king. And they wonder what has become of God's promise. Where is this king? Where is he at? And then into 400 years of silence, from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, they're wondering what became of God's promise. Whatever happened to God's promise? Where is our king? And there in Pilate's court, he says, Behold your king. And they say, we have no king except Caesar. 
and a nation for 41 generations wonders what became of God's promise. A nation for 41 generations wonders, does God's promise still stand? And they wonder, where is this king? And for 41 generations, birth after birth after birth and death after death after death, they wonder, does God's promise still stand? Where is our king? And then in the greatest start to the book, the greatest start to a book you could ever imagine, Matthew says in the form of a genealogy, behold, you have your king. Verse one. You thought it was gonna be boring. Oh, dear friend, God kept his promise. God kept his promise in the high spots, in the low spots, when they couldn't see a way. God was faithful. The line is still intact. They couldn't see a king anymore, but the line was still intact. Behold our king. Of our genealogy today, we see the promise of it. Second, of our genealogy, we see the people of it. We see the people of it. Now, that's gonna be important. We see the people of it. As you read through this list, do not miss this. These 41 generations until Jesus, 42 including Jesus, this long list of who had who, they were people. All, all of them, they were people. They were people who were born in the pain and the tears of a mother and then held in that mother's arms. They were people who played and they laughed and they grew up as kids. Some of them were in palaces. Some of them were out in fields. Some of them were in foreign lands, but they grow there as kids. They were people who had hopes, people who made plans people who were driven by their desires. They were people. They were people who celebrated births and marriages and, and great harvests and, and festivals. They were people that would come together and, and they would celebrate. They were people who hurt. They stood by graves. They were people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Judah, Perez, Hezron, Ram, people. Salmon, Boaz, Jesse, David, Solomon. Just people. Hezekiah, Manasseh, Ammon, Josiah. Jacob, Joseph, Mary, people. These were just people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. It is people that God loves, regular people. Now don't pass too quickly by this. Can you see this as these folks began to read through the genealogy? Can you see the pictures that unfolds? Can, can you see it today? Can you see these people 
As the sun comes up and they go off to work, as they have days that they play, can you, can you hear these people if you were around the corner at a distance? Can you, can you hear them as they laugh there at the dinner table? Can you hear them maybe as they, as they fight and as they argue? Can you smell their supper as it's cooking? Can you see the joy when the baby's born and they hold and they look for the first time? Can you see their pride? Can you see their tears as they fall? Their spouse has died or a child has died. These are people. It's a list of people. So we see the promise of the genealogy. Then we see the people of the genealogy. And then next third, we see the grace of the genealogy. The grace of the genealogy. Now be sure and see this as well. This genealogy, it is a list of people. It is a list of of diverse people. There are all sorts of people on this list. As you go through the listing there of these names, there's all sorts of people there. There are reformers. There are rebels. There are fathers of nations and their fathers that have long since been forgotten. There are Jews by birth and there's Jews by conversion from a pagan land. There are kings and there are carpenters. There are wicked kings who raised righteous sons. And there are righteous kings who raised wicked sons. There are people of great character, people of great wisdom, and people of great folly. Sometimes it's in the same person. There are faithful people, and there are adulterous people. There are deceivers on the list. Tamar acted as a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. And all of these people... 41 generations, birth after birth after birth, death after death, all of these people, all of these people have one thing in common. They are all sinners and they all need a savior. All of them, all of them are sinners. All of them are guilty in their sin. All of them are shamed in their sin. All of them are ruined in their sin. All of them are away from God, dying in their sin. And whether they're born in a palace or born in captivity, it does not matter. And whether they're the father of a nation or a harlot from Jericho, it doesn't matter. They're all sinners and they all need a savior. And he came into his own. These are the ones he came to. Do you see this today? Do you see this? Jesus Christ, who although he existed in the form of God, he's God, listen, he's God, did not record equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Listen to that, folks. Emptied himself. God emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, these people, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Listen to me. The most inconceivable miracle of Christmas, 
The most inconceivable miracle of the incarnation is that God himself condescends, that he comes from glory, the creator, marvelous, holy God, that he would come as God and he would take on human flesh and become Emmanuel and that he came to take sin and he came to take shame and he came to die at Calvary for liars and cheaters and prostitutes, for sinners, for all of us, the holy prince of glory. God himself, he came in great grace and he came for sinners and that is why we celebrate all the grace of it, all the grace of it. God condescends and comes for sinners. That's the miracle. Emmanuel, God with us. 41 generations from Abraham to Jesus, all sinners. Countless generations after Jesus, birth after birth after birth, you and I, all sinners. We need a Savior. Jesus comes in great grace. Last, there's the promise of the genealogy. There's the people of the genealogy. There's the grace of the genealogy. And last and most astounding, the Savior of the genealogy. Let me show you something here. Let's go back to verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He will be the son of Abraham. He will also be the son of David. He will be fulfilling both of those things, also the Messiah. He would be the priest, the prophet, and the king, all of them, all in this one. Now, if that's not enough, now I want to tell you how, how tremendous is that. He's a son of Abraham. He's a son of David. He is the anointed one, all three of those offices together, the prophet, the priest, and the king, all of those things. Now, if that's not enough, here's where it gets crazy. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Here is a sign. If that's not enough for you, you're looking for this Messiah. If that's not enough sign, here is the sign. Now, listen. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And the sign is this. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. Did you hear that? Do you hear the impossibility of that? He's gonna be a son of Abraham. He's gonna be a son of David. He's gonna be the Messiah, the Messiah. But also, now listen, you want a bigger sign. The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen to me. This king, the Messiah, listen. He would be a man, people. He would be born for sinners, grace inconceivable. He would be born a descendant of Abraham, 42 generations removed. 
He would be born a descendant of David to the throne that would last forever. He would be born of a virgin. Listen, he will be born of a virgin and he will be God himself, Emmanuel. How does that happen? How does that happen? Listen to me. The Jews are all sitting up now. The Jews are all leaning in as the book of the genealogy of Jesus is read. You see, they know the pattern. Listen to the pattern. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah. And on and on and on was the father of, was the father of. That is the pattern, their ears that heard it, was the father of. Verse 16, listen. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Notice there, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. It never says he was his father. He was the legal descendant of him, yes. It was the lineage established by law, yes. But his father is God. And so he is the, the son of Abraham and he's the son of David. But the miracle of all miracles is he's born of a virgin and he's God with us, Emmanuel. And as the genealogy is laid out, Matthew says, there is your king, behold your king. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Miracle of miracles. Behold your king. All of that was to prepare them that they might receive their king. Verse 18, and now the birth of Jesus was as follows. And here we go. All of that was to prepare them that they might receive their king. Have you received yours? Have you received your king? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I am staggered. I am astounded at the perfect purity of the revelation of Jesus, the Messiah, my Savior for my Sin. I praise you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I come down as I, as I understand this. I, I tell you, Lord, I'm a sinner not worthy. I come and ask that you forgive me. Forgive me. Let no sin come between me, myself, and my king. I pray for some in this room that haven't received Jesus Christ as the Savior. That's what he was marked for, the Savior, to save his people from their sin. I, I pray for some that maybe they've heard it, but they've pushed back against it. I pray for some, maybe they've heard it and they, they took on another agenda. They weren't ready to receive him. I pray for some that may be hearing and understanding for the very first time today. I pray that today they would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray that you stir in our hearts, that you move in our hearts. Pray that our response would glorify and honor you. I thank you. And I tell you I love you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.